What's happening, friend? Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven podcast. My name is Chris, and in this podcast episode, we continue our series, The Foundations of Prayer, and we are jumping into the prophetic, into hearing God's voice and sharing what he is saying at times with other people. Without further ado, let's jump right into this episode. Prayer often gets kind of like sidelined with everything else that we do. You know, it's like a, it's like a quick, oh, let's pray real quick. I mean, if you guys have said that phrase, you don't have to raise your hand. I've said that phrase, like, hey, let me pray real quick. You know, and it's like, it's this real, let me just, you know, throw something up to God and, and we'll move on. And it, it's just, it's not had the weight and emphasis, I think, that communion with the Lord should have. And so, in a way, the Lord just was leading my heart deeper and deeper into spending quiet time with Him and talking with Him and abiding in Him and even bringing my confession directly to Him and, and kind of breaking down what confession was versus repentance and what confession was versus asking forgiveness. You know, it's one thing to ask God to forgive you. It's another one to say, I messed this up, right? So one of the things we talked about was confession and forgiveness. And so all these things, I felt like, you know what? As we're laying foundation on Friday nights to worship the Lord, I think that these are topics that we need to discuss. So fasting and praying in the Spirit and all these things have been uh, kind of what this series has been about. Tonight, I want to talk about prophecy. And I want to talk about walking in the prophetic. So my favorite worship leader since I was a kid is a guy named Jason Upton. I don't know if any of you guys know Jason Upton, but he's like a worship leader, philosopher, whatever. But he was kind of noted as like the godfather, if you want to say that, like the the one who really inspired spontaneous worship in modern culture. And so when we say spontaneous worship, we mean like singing songs that were not previously written. Okay, so that was a really big term that came out. And what it was, was, you know, and listening to him tell stories about it, he's, he said, I, I did spontaneous worship because I had like six songs. And when I ran out of songs, it was like, I just sang whatever was coming out, you know. But for so many of us, we latched on to like, wow, we can sing our own song to the Lord. We can sing a new song. We don't just have to sing the, the lyrics that were written by someone else over a long period of time. And so he was kind of, you know, like I listened to him on a podcast many, many years ago, and the guy was saying, you're kind of like the godfather of spontaneous worship. And there was a point where a church called him up and said, hey, will you come teach on spontaneous worship? And he said, and this is early on, when he was kind of like the guy, if you want to say that. And he said, sure. Fast forward, he gets on the plane and he goes, how am I going to... What am I going to say about spontaneous worship? I don't know what to teach anybody about. How do you teach being spontaneous? And so he's on the flight, if I remember correctly, and he's praying, God, for some reason I agreed to teach on spontaneous worship. I don't know what the heck to say. And so the Lord puts on his heart the story of the prodigal son. And so he goes on to teach it better than I will in this moment. It's really good if you can find it. And he says basically... He, he recounts the story of the prodigal son. And if you, know this, if you know the story well, the prodigal has gone off and he's spent all of his inheritance money and he's wasted it and he's lived a ridiculous lifestyle and he runs out of money and he decides, I need to go home, right? And so he's about to head home and he, in scripture, it's cool too because like it shows, he plans out what he's going to say to his father. And he says, I'm going to tell him basically like I was wrong. I sinned against you and a God and I, and I, I spent all your money and I did this and that. And, and will you forgive me? Can I just 
be a servant of yours in your house. And so this is his plan. And if you know the story, he heads towards his father's house. And his father sees him coming in the distance. And his father runs to him and puts his arms around his neck. And he immediately embraces him. And before the son can even get out his planned speech, his, his conversation and his planned conversation is completely interrupted. So in a conversation, we wouldn't call it spontaneous conversation. It was just that he had a plan and it got interrupted by the love of his father. And so what Jason goes on to say is the reality of relationship. Spontaneity is the reality of relationship. I say that again because I stuttered. Spontaneity is the reality of every real relationship, meaning that every real conversation is spontaneous and can't be fully planned out. Why? Because it requires listening to the other person and responding to them in relation to what they have shared or into what they have done. So tonight, I want to talk about hearing God's voice in about the prophetic and prophesying. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. You guys are so awesome. You're taking notes. I love it. says... This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. So the question is, how do you pray according to God's will? You know, when I was growing up, we would say a lot. We would pray, and then we would say, if it's your will. Anybody else used to that kind of terminology? It's not necessarily bad, because we don't want to pray something that's not God's will. But if we look at this scripture... If we pray according to his will, how do you pray according to someone's will? You have to understand what it is and come into agreement with it. So number one way that we can do that is we can pray scripture. One of the ways that we align with what God wants us to pray is to find his heart and his desire in scripture. We've discussed praying in line with the heart of Jesus by understanding his heart and character. One of the teachings that I got to share, we're talking what it was to really pray in the name of Jesus. It was to pray in alignment with what he was saying. And part of the way that we find that is in scripture. We study the word, we understand his heart and his character and what he would want to see happen. Would he want to see healing? Yes, we know that we can go after praying for healing. Why? Because it's his heart and it's what he told us to pray for. Right? Amen? Cool. Number two, pray what he is saying. Conversation is two-sided. When most people think of prayer, they think of talking to, or maybe more accurately, talking at God. If prayer is conversation and relational, then we have to not only speak, but to listen. One aspect of the leadership of the Holy Spirit is that he will lead you in what needs praying for. If we ask him to lead our requests, confessions, and declarations, he will lead us in what to pray for specifically. So there's a church in Florida, I think it was in Pompano Beach. And for a while I had traveled on a ministry team with a well-known conference speaker. So every time he would come to Florida, we would go and be on his ministry team. And so basically, you know, he would teach and whatnot, and we would be like, we would come up to the front at the altar time. And so whenever people would come up, we'd pray with them. Super, super fun, crazy guy, and uh, crazy good. And so it was a beautiful time, and I went to this church called Harbor Church in Pompano Beach. 
And I remember loving the atmosphere in this church. It just felt like, wow, this is what church should be like. And so Jess and I happened to be in town for a photo shoot or something around that time. And I said, let's go check out this church. Now, I wasn't married the first time I went there. We weren't together yet. Second time we were in the area, we had just gotten married not too long before. And I said, babe, I loved this church so much that if, and I think it was right before we moved to Tennessee. I said, if we weren't moving, I would drive the two and a half hours here every Sunday that we could. Like this church is just, I don't know, it was awesome. The atmosphere was amazing. The people were amazing. And so we went back and one of the cool things, and there's a few things that I could share about this church, but one of the really cool things that I noted, first of all, we walked in and everyone was just celebrating and high-fiving and laughing and worship was happening. And so I was like, this is a very weird climate. Like I'm used to like fun environments and worship, but like it just seemed crazy. And so we asked someone, hey, what's going on? There was like bounce houses outside and tons of food and and uh, looked like the biggest kid's birthday party you've ever seen with a bunch of adults acting ridiculous. And so I said, what's going on? And she said, oh, we've switched our church. We now only meet one Sunday a month all together. And then we meet in houses all throughout the month. But our one Sunday is like our big celebration Sunday. We all come together. And so we haven't seen each other in a month. And we talk about everybody's birthdays and anniversaries and, and so on. But all to say, one of the things I loved about the church, another thing is immediately the girl that we asked the question to stopped and started prophesying over me. Again, used to that kind of stuff, but it was amazing, and the word was super accurate, and she just said, I just see, and she went, da-da-da-da-da. This is what the Lord is telling me about you. She didn't know me at all, and it was spot on. It was awesome. Confirmations of everything we were in the season that we were in in life. So then, at the end, people went up for prayer. They had time at the altar, and we were up and around prayer, and the cool thing is their whole prayer team wouldn't ask you what you needed prayer for. So if you came to get prayer... They wouldn't even ask you, what are we praying for, you know, whatever. They would say hi, they'd shake your hand or give you a hug. They'd introduce themselves, and then they would just get quiet and say, let's pray. And they would listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And whatever he told them to pray, they would pray. What's beautiful about that, one, is if you have an ailment or something going on, or you're in a season of loss... And you don't know someone, and they say, I feel like you just lost someone, and it's really, really hurting right now. Can I pray over you if you have peace? That's a totally different level of like, wow, God sees me, than, hey, I just lost someone, and I need prayer. Okay, let's pray for that. That's great, but there's a beauty in someone hearing the voice of the Lord for you and praying in agreement with that. Does that make sense? So it was one of the coolest things is just watching them operate in that way. So number three about how to pray according to God's will is prophesy. Prophesy in line with what he's saying. So far, most of what we discussed in this series has been personal about prayer. Okay, so we've talked about um, abiding and we've talked about cultivating a private prayer life. The last thing that I shared, we started to talk about intercession and that it's standing in the gap for someone else. So this is really the first conversation that we've had about prayer that is outside of our own time with the Lord, where we're actually now starting to look at someone else and say, how can I stand in the gap for you in this moment and pray for you? So another way that we reach outside of our own time with the Lord is to prophetically pray over someone else. A simple way of describing prophecy is 
hearing the voice of the Lord for someone and speaking what he is saying over them to edify them. For those that have ears to hear, Jesus speaks this phrase eight times in the Gospels and seven times in the book of Revelation. It's a repeated thing. In fact, that's most all of where Jesus speaks in Scripture. And this is one of the consistent phrases he says is for those that have ears to hear. In Revelation chapter 3 verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. So God stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens the door, he will come in and meet with them. This means that we can miss hearing God speak because we aren't listening and because we aren't actually opening the door to him. To come in and meet with us. Verse 21 says, He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. For some, hearing God speak is a regular part of life, for others, it sounds like a daunting idea. How do you hear God speak? This is actually one of my favorite questions to ask people. When I have time with friends that I know love the Lord and and pray and talk to the Lord often, and one of my favorite questions is to say, how do you hear God? Like, how does he speak to you? And I would ask you that too, obviously. You don't need to answer right now, but how does God speak to you most? I'm always fascinated by the responses. For some, it's like an impression in their heart or their mind that they know didn't come from their own imagination or ideas. For others, they hear a phrase or they see a vision. For others, it's dreams that he speaks most in. God speaks differently to different people. For me, it's been all of the ways I just mentioned at different times in my life. I've even been praying for someone and seen like words across their forehead, like a specific phrase And been able to just speak out, like seeing a vision of what we're praying for. One of the ways to avoid hearing God speak is try trying to make something up that God would say. If hearing the voice of the Lord is new to you, the best thing that you can do is relax and ask him to speak to you. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, cease striving And know that I am God. Other translations say, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. So I have a a hyper-creative brain for any of those who know me well. And I can easily come up with things that seem like they could have been God ideas. I don't know about you guys. But for me, discerning the voice of the Lord, at times I have to weigh, was that my idea or my creative thought or was that actually the Lord? So for me, calming down my thoughts and ideas to make room for the Holy Spirit to speak is one of the best practices I know for hearing his voice. We used to, when I was in youth group and then on into when I went to ministry school, we used to do these things called treasure hunts. Do any of you guys know what a treasure hunt is? Like, like evangelism treasure hunts? Okay. 
So we know what a treasure hunt is in finding clues and going out and searching, right? So we would do this with evangelism. And what that meant was, at times we would just go door to door and we would knock on doors and we would love on people or we'd go to a specific place and we'd run up and say, hey, you know, the common phrase was always, if you died today, do you know where you'd spend eternity? And that's great. But my favorite way to do evangelism was a thing called a treasure hunt. And there's a few reasons that I'll share, but what a treasure hunt basically is, is you sit down and ask the Lord to lead you to find people to minister to or to love on. So what we would do is we would sit down, we would get a group of us, whoever was together, and we would write down in a notebook whatever words, places, sicknesses, whatever we felt the Lord lead us to. So we'd simply pray, Holy Spirit, would you lead us? And then we'd listen. Sometimes they were crazy ideas. I'll share a story in a second about it. But we would listen and we would write it down. And that became, if you want to call it, like our treasure map. So that became our clues to go look for people. Now, I know this can sound crazy. It's actually a beautiful way to learn to hear the Holy Spirit's voice. So then we would go look for the people. And as we followed and it led us to them, we would pray with them and share whatever the Lord had showed us. So there's a few reasons that I love this style of evangelism. One, I really didn't like randomly walking up to people without evidence that God had led us to them. Nothing wrong with immediately just approaching people. You don't have to prove that God sent you. You can just go love on people. I just stubbornly didn't like it. (laughs) And I liked being able to say, God sent me here, look. It was like a really cool way to open their heart and mind to whatever we were about to share. I think treasure hunts are one of the best ways to learn to hear God's voice. You learn to distinguish the difference between your voice and thoughts and God's voice speaking to you. Why? Because you're immediately testing them. Number three, if you walked up to someone wearing a striped hoodie that was written on a list, and you stood in front of a store that was written on a list, and when you showed them the list, there were multiple things that could relate to their life in a specific way, they're generally open to hearing what you have to say. A little freaked out, but generally pretty open to hearing what you have to say. And it's much more obvious that God sent us there. So one of my favorite treasure hunt stories, I was in ministry school. It was after hours. Me and my buddies went to hang out at the local mall. And we said, hey, let's just do a treasure hunt. Let's see where God leads us tonight. And we had a friend with us who hadn't done a treasure hunt with us. He wasn't in the school. Um, and so that this was a new thing for him. And so we sat in front of a store and we prayed, took out a note, note card, this is pre-iPhone, and said, Holy Spirit, would you lead us just to love on people? And so people started sharing just the words that they got. This is me and two of my buddies. And so it was like, striped hoodie. Okay, we wrote down striped hoodie. Uh, red socks. And it was weird, really random words. And there was, there was a handful more, but I'm just going to share the ones that apply to this story. Handprint. Okay, we wrote down handprint. My buddy said, I see a unicorn. And I was like, bro, be serious. What are you like? Come on. We're asking God for clues. Not, what are you talking about unicorn? I don't even think God would show you that. Like, why? And he's like, dude, I see a unicorn. I said, okay, we put down unicorn. And... Uh, <laughs> And then, like, I don't know, a whole bunch of other stuff. And I don't remember the details, and I won't make them up. But there was a whole bunch of, like, I don't know, this color shirt, that, pain, whatever. So we, uh, <laughs> we start walking around the mall. 
we've got our we've got our map right and so i'm like i don't think i don't know and we walk around the corner and there's a store if you guys have ever been to a shoe store called journeys and their logo is a handprint and so on the marble wall there's a giant handprint and so part of what we do usually when we're doing a treasure hunt is we literally just kind of like follow the clues so i was like oh there's a handprint so we went over to the handprint and stood there and we were like okay this is here's clue number one and we're standing there, standing there, standing there, looking around. Sure enough, we look right across the way from where we're standing. And on the other marble wall, there's a marble unicorn in the wall. No lie. I quickly apologized to my friend for doubting me. But in the marble display is a unicorn. So <laughs> we went and stood in the middle of the handprint and the unicorn. And we're standing there and we're waiting, wait for a couple minutes. And all of a sudden, a guy in a striped hoodie comes walking down the, the mall aisleway. And so there's that part of you when you do evangelism, if any of you guys have ever stepped out when the Lord led you to something where you want to be like, no, it's probably not you, God, right? Your heart beats fast. And you're like, I don't want to. As soon as I saw the guy, I was like, oh, I can't even fight this one. And so I'm literally between a handprint and a unicorn and there's a striped hoodie. And so I immediately go to the guy and he's with his friend, two young guys. And I said, hey, guys, I know this sounds crazy. We're actually, we're kind of on like a treasure hunt. And we're looking, we're trying to find some clues. Um, I know it'll sound weird. I'll explain it in a minute. But would you help us in this search that we're on? And that's my approach to it. That's not the way that typically people do it. But to me, that's the easiest way to approach people and break the ice. And so he's like, uh, sure, man. Yeah, whatever. And so I said, cool. Will you look at this list and let me know if anything kind of applies to your life? Oh, by the way, there's a handprint there, a unicorn there, and you're wearing a striped hoodie. And he was like, oh, uh, okay. And so he looks down the list, and he's quiet for a minute, and he said, um, I'm not really sure why it says Red Sox, but actually my buddy and I just flew out to try out for the Red Sox. And so where we lived was the Red Sox spring training field. And they had just flown in from Boston to, to try out for the Red Sox. And I was like, awesome, man. Can I just pray for you and bless you? God actually sent us here to find you. We prayed and asked that he would lead us to someone that needed to know about his love. And he said, you know, before you pray, and he said, you can definitely pray. He said, I'm not really like, I'm not really religious. Um, I, you know, my mom was or whatever. And he said, but last night in the hotel room, really randomly, I opened the drawer and there was a Bible in the hotel drawer, and I flipped it open, and he was kind of in a season of feeling lost a little bit. He said, I flipped it open just randomly, and the thing that I read said that God was going to begin to order my steps. And I was like, come on, God. So we got to pray with them and love on them. That's treasure hunts, and we can do a treasure hunt at some point if anyone wants to go do it. Um, <laughs> but anyways, the beauty of treasure hunts is multiple. One, that guy was pretty open to hearing whatever we had to say at that point after he was freaked out. But even he saw evidence of something that was unexplainable, right? And so words of knowledge or the Lord leading you prophetically opens doors that you can't on your own. Amen? Trying out what you feel God leading you to say or do is a great way to know if it was him. If you feel God telling you something about someone and you go for it and ask them, you will find out in real time if it was true from the Lord or not. When it was from God, you can learn how his voice and his leading felt different from your own. 
When you get it wrong, you can learn what was your imagination. So if you do something like a treasure hunt, not necessarily everything you wrote down was not from God that didn't get found. But you do know that the things that God answered and showed you, it's a good way to know, like, wow, that was really from the Lord. So now I can start to kind of distinguish what's God and what's me. Does that make sense? Okay. So whenever I've had a word of knowledge for someone that needs healing, I have tons of faith that that healing is going to take place. I believe that God showed it to me for a reason. So if I see someone... And we use the term word of knowledge, and that basically means that the Lord is showing you something that maybe someone else is, is going through or dealing with. So there's been times I've walked up to someone, and all of a sudden I get like a really bad pain in my knee. And I don't typically have that kind of pain in my knee. And so I'll ask the Lord, God, are you showing me something? And then I'll ask the person, hey, do you, do you by chance have pain in your knee? Yeah. Is it in your left knee? Yeah. How would you know that? I have tons of pain in my knee. I tore it, whatever. Whatever the scenario was, that person is really open to what you're saying or freaked out by you. And you, for me, when that happens, I'm like, God, you wouldn't have shown it to me if you didn't want to do something about it. So for me, my faith of that person getting healed is pretty, pretty significant. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Pursue love, yet desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands, but in his spirit he speaks mysteries. But one who prophesies speaks to men for the edification and exhortation and consolation. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but one who prophesies edifies the church. And verse 5, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. I shared a teaching, if you didn't get to hear it, on praying in the Spirit. Uh, If that's a topic that you are interested in, I definitely would encourage you to go listen. Um, I feel like the Lord hopefully gave me some insights that maybe would help with that. Carrying on. But even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues unless he interprets so that the church may receive edifying. Prophecy is an important part of the body of Christ both corporately for direction and edification of the church, as well as one-on-one, person-to-person. So maybe you're thinking, okay, I get that it's biblical to prophesy, but I don't know how to prophesy. So how do we learn to prophesy? Try it. Okay, we just talked about this. You take risks. There's no way to find out if you're understanding something unless you try it, right? I don't know if I know how to ride a bike unless I try it. I don't know if I know how to color unless I get a crayon and I try to learn how to color, right? You have to try it to understand if you have learned something and it actually uh, has evidence that it's working. Our goal is to cultivate here a safe place to learn to walk in the gifts of the Spirit. I shared a message when I very first started teaching on these nights about honoring one another. And the goal for us is to create a place where you can try things and not be judged or like someone weirded out if you're stepping out and saying, hey, I want to practice hearing from God. Can I share something with you? The hope is that we can grow a community where that's perfectly normal and welcomed, right? Okay. Whether you are giving someone a prophetic word or receiving one, do it in humility. Love and honoring both God and that person. 
If you're stepping out and learning to speak what God is showing you, don't say, thus says the Lord, before you share it. Okay? Just gonna... This is where Jess says, be humble, and I say, be chill. If you're gonna try a prophetic word, you're gonna try sharing something the Lord is saying, don't say, thus says the Lord, and then speak into them. Because if you get it wrong, that is not a good thing to have done, right? Because you could actually send them off in a bit of a wrong direction. What is a much better approach is to say, hey... I feel like God is sharing something with me about you. Would you mind if I share it with you? Totally different, right? Because then you are saying, I could be wrong, but this is what I feel like God is saying. Tell me if you bear witness with this, or tell me if this connects with you in a way, if you feel confirmation. <laughs> I've, seen, I've seen the thus says the Lord thing a lot. And so if I'm going to share about it, I'm going to suggest that we don't. We don't do that. Okay. If you're giving a word, be okay if you get it wrong. Don't be hurt or ashamed if you miss it. The point is to test and learn to discern the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now, if someone is sharing a prophetic word with you and they miss it, please encourage them. You can say something like this. Thank you so much for sharing your heart with me. I don't know that this was super accurate, but I love that you went for it. Please keep learning and growing. Super easy way to say that I don't really have confirmation that that's me. Like if you told me right now, hey, I want you to go off and, I don't know, join the Olympics. I'd be like, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know if that's actually from the Lord, but thank you for sharing it with me. Keep going for it. Let's keep learning together. Because the Lord has not spoken that to me, at least not yet. And I'm a little old. So as awkward as it may be, it's actually important to let someone know if a word was off. Okay? If you're in trusted community, it's actually super important to let them know if they were wrong. Why? Iron sharpens iron, and this applies more than just theology. What you're doing is you're saying, hey, I want to help you grow in this. And otherwise, if everyone just lets someone share wrong prophetic words over and over and over again, they become the thus says the Lord person (laughs) real quick. And they're now sharing things with people that they shouldn't be. So the goal is to create a safe place for the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit are needed, and we need safe spaces to grow with people and love and care enough to be honest and encouraging. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 17 says, And it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth my Spirit on all mankind. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my bond slaves, both men and women, I will in those days pour forth of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Unfortunately, there is a lack of value for the prophetic in current day, I believe. Okay? Depending on your background, it might be totally normal to give and receive prophetic words, or you may have been told that you should not prophesy and that only in the people in the Bible could do that. The Bible is not just a history book. It is meant for us today, okay? The, the Great Commission, the things that the Lord has commissioned us and sent us to do did not stop when this got canonized. Yes, there are things that are contextual to times and seasons, but you are meant to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, okay? It applies for today. It is important to write down the words that you are given to that are given to you as long as you bear witness with them. 
If you feel confirmation that it is a word from God, write it down so you can look back on it as needed. This building, when we were praying about if we bought it, and we were meeting with my parents about, hey, are we really going to go for this? Are we all going to take this crazy faith risk? Jess and I had to look back on prophetic words, specifically one that was given to us to make that decision. There was a word given to Jess and I. One of the big things was, okay, we want to use it for worship on Friday nights. What else are we going to do with 11,000 square feet? Like, we're going to use it on Fridays. At the time, we had like five to eight people who came regularly, maybe 10. We did not need this building. There was no like, oh, 150 people will show up if you have a building. There was none of that. Nor did the Lord promise me that this was just going to be like a filled thing. So we were like, what are we going to do with all this space? And one of the things that we had said was, we really feel the Lord leading us to encourage the arts in our community of dance and of theater and of writing songs and music. And, and it's in our background to do that. And we were praying, okay, God, do you really want us to do this? And then we remembered a prophetic word that was given to us in Texas that someone had spoken and said, God wants you guys to reclaim the arts and he wants to use you to do it. And so when we remembered the word, it was a confirmation both of what we had in our heart to do with this building and what we wanted to use it for and what had been spoken by someone from the Lord that one was confirmed then, two, we realized this is the season to start stepping into it and working towards it. Another confirmation for both the coffee shop and this building for us was I was praying and asking the Lord, God, you put us in Jamestown. You gave me a heart for this place. How do we change the city to look more like you? How do we change the town? And the Lord spoke to me very clearly and said, you change the city from the inside out. Now, why that was so prevalent for me was at the time we were thinking, let's build a rec hall or a building on our farm so we can do this. So that we can host worship and prayer and times and corporate gathering to take time in his presence. And so that was kind of what we were working towards. And then the Lord said, you change the city from the inside out. And I knew in that moment that it needed to start in the center of the town, if at all possible. And that then what the Lord was doing could work its way out to the farmland and out to the farm. So that was another prophetic word for us of confirmation that this building made sense. Why? Because it's in the center of downtown. Second Chronicles chapter 20 says, They rose early in the morning and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. And when they went out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, O Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Put your trust in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Put your trust in the prophets and succeed. There's a Bill Johnson quote that I really like, and he says... My need to hear from God for myself does not nullify the need for prophets. My need for the prophet of the prophets does not cancel out my need to hear from God for myself. They work together in tandem. He goes on to say in the message that I was listening to, if he only spoke to us directly, we would become independent. When the word comes through community, it emphasizes our need for one another. If God designed us without the need to encourage, support, and edify one another, we would end up living in solitude and likely avoid community altogether if we didn't need one another. We are instructed to what? Love God and love people. God comes first always, but we need community. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 says, Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophetic utterances. But examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good. One more note. If someone gives you a word and they're stepping out in their prophetic gift and it does not connect with you like me joining the Olympics and leaving my family in Jamestown as a hypothetical option for this, throw the word away. Don't write it down and hold on to it because it will become confusing for you later, right? One more thing. There are people who have gifts on their life as like a prophet, right? That's like the gifting on their life. They hear a ton prophetically. That's like part of their function in the body. There's hands, there's feet, there's eyes, there's mouths, right? In the body of Christ, there are people who really walk in that gift. Not everyone is going to hear prophetic words for people all the time. Okay, that's a specific gift. But we all are meant to hear God's voice and prophesy. All right, let me close with this. Matthew chapter 13, verse 3. And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on the good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. And verse 9 says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 18 goes on when they're perplexed by this parable, and he jumps back in and says, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. One more quick note on this verse. When someone gives you a word or, some, or you hear the Lord speak something to you, the enemy is going to try to bring something that opposes that, and he's going to try to throw it off. Okay? So if God says, hey, it's time for you to move, and you really believe that that's of the Lord, there's a good chance someone's going to say, hey, I'll give you a great job if you stay. You, how many of you guys have experienced those kind of moments? Yes. Okay. So the enemy will immediately come in and try to give you a counterfeit for whatever the Lord is saying. So you need to recognize it. When someone gives you a word or the Lord speaks to you personally and you write it down and you hold it in your heart, recognize that the enemy is going to come and try to steal the word. Okay. Verse 22, and the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who has the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Yes. Verse 23 says, and the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty.
Thanks for being here with us today, friends. I hope that this message encouraged you to grow in hearing the voice of the Lord. If you want to find more resources from Breath of Heaven, from our teaching, as well as Breath of Heaven music, and now a special announcement, Breath of Heaven dance team has officially launched publicly. Uh, our dance team shared for the first time last weekend at our three-year celebration of community worship nights, and it was beautiful. So excited to add that to all the things that the Lord is doing here in our town. You can find more info on breathofheaveninc.org. That's breathofheaveninc.org. And you can also give financially if you want to help us to continue to do more things like this, as well as put out more music and continue the ministry that we are building and growing here in Jamestown. If you are a dancer, though, I just want to make this quick announcement, and you are anywhere near Jamestown and you want to be involved, reach out to us. They practice on Monday nights. It is beautiful. We're so excited about what God's doing through movement in our community. All that to be said, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in the next one.